from the Willamette Valley in America's great Pacific Northwest. You are listening to the Ernest Mann Show, and I'm your host, Ernest Mann. No matter where you may be listening in this great, big, beautiful world, we all share. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And this is episode number 155. Psychology, conquering your fears, understanding impermanence. You know, this is something that I have really wanted to talk about for a long time. And it is the matter of stuff. All your stuff. The stuff that you uh, that you have way too much of, and perhaps you don't even understand why the hell you have all this stuff of things. Because in a really weird sense, the more that we collect stuff seems to give self-validity that we're immortal. And therefore, it's comforting. Even if it's on a subconscious level. We have all of these things And some of us have a little. A lot of us have a lot. They don't have to be necessarily big expensive things either. They can be small things, trinkets. Some people, it's photographs. Although, nowadays you can store hundreds or perhaps thousands of photographs on a hard drive or even on your phone. But in times past, they actually had to be physical photographs. But regardless, it's still the same thing. It's still the same game. It's a longing to hold on to something which has moved on. And that includes ourselves. So, it's like if everyone is moving, let's say, in the same direction at the same time, what's known is that relative to themselves, they don't necessarily perceive themselves changing. But the fact is you do. As a matter of fact, and this is this is not physiologically precise, and it does not include all systems of the body, but pretty much on a cellular level, all your cells are replaced around every three months. And in the case, for instance, of your stomach or stomach lining that is about three or four days. So you're constantly changing, although 
because some of it is so slow, or perhaps not so obvious, we don't perceive it. Of course, once we come to middle age and we get the telltale signs, the physical signs, gray hair. Um, yeah, then it becomes kind of undeniable. I remember myself, I remember that day, <clears throat> I guess, I suppose, I was in my early mid-30s, and I was going to a party, I was supposed to go to a party, to, um, well, party. <laughs> And as I was getting ready and hopped out of the shower <clears throat> and I'm combing my hair and I'm looking and I'm seeing this gray hair here and there, just, I said, that's weird. Not thinking in terms of denial or I just saw it as an anomaly. Just what the fuck is this? I mean, that's, I'm not old. That's, that's for old people. I, it was one or two, and I took them, I plucked them out. And I combed my hair, I didn't see any more. Ah, oh, you're fine. Everything's cool. <laughs> Except it wasn't, of course. Now, it's the reverse in my case. I would actually have to do the reverse and search for dark hairs in my fucking head. So, yeah. <laughs> but, be that as it may. But I'm talking about the things that we collect because the things, no matter what they are, they can be, I don't know, something smaller than a toaster or the size of a toaster are really huge. Or some people collect, you know, cars. But there's all these things. Because what it really is, is just a longing to live. It's an extension of that. But there is a secret here. Many people have not considered this. That's why I would like for you to listen so you can consider it. Maybe pass it on to a friend. I don't know. Um, you have to go through this learning phase and this understanding phase that, as strange as it seems, all these things that you thought of, that you purchased, or somehow you obtained them, and you were thinking, wow, if I just had this thing, regardless of what it is, and you thought, man, if I, you know, if I just get, you know, I'll be happy. That's what you're saying. Man, I would really like to, you know, have that, whatever it is, and I'll be happy. But the problem is, is that in reality, in that sense, even as adults, even if we kid ourselves and joke ourselves that we're so beyond childhood, but it's the same thing because if you're a parent and oftentimes if you have kids, you know, and they just super duper, you're out in a, you know, 
toy store or someplace like that and they see a toy and they you know go completely berserk and gotta have it and want it and whatnot and you buy the damn thing and you know they play with it for i don't know an hour <laughs> whatever then you toss it aside maybe if you're lucky two hours if you're real lucky two days <laughs> then it's tossed to the side time to move on to the next thing and we do the same thing as adults because it's in our nature to do that. But the problem comes that when we go beyond a certain point and we as adults don't recognize that we're doing that. See, a child has an excuse built in because they're a child. <laughs> That's what children do. So they already have their excuse. <laughs> but we don't. Unless we're not aware of this. But in turn, the problem is that we pass this same thing on to our children. And more than likely, that's how the hell it happened to us. Because this this thing, this belief system, that's how they're passed down. That's that's just the way it, it is. Unless the chains are disrupted, unless they're broken. And in this case, that's a good thing. Because that's a chain that needs to break. There needs to be a very clear demarcation between parent and child and between their childhood and then transitioning through adolescence and then to adulthood. But oftentimes, doesn't exactly go according to plan, unfortunately. So all of these ideas, no matter how very destructive and pain-producing in the future. Um, yeah, they stick. They stick with us, and it's a very dysfunctional thing. And it oftentimes, you know, it hurts. I I didn't personally go through this, but for instance, at least I know on at least two occasions, I was went around in the company of. One was a, a man and one was a woman. And they're definitely, I'm guessing, early mid-40s-ish, around there. And they decided, you know, it's time to get rid of a bunch of really old clothes. I mean, really old clothes. <laughs> and they're looking, you know, they're looking at stuff that they uh, may have worn in the 80s and 90s when they were young and they had perfect bodies because well they're young and i'm talking about everything from you know shirts and slacks and shoes lots of shoes some of them hats but just this really you know we look at it today it's just so it's just so loud and gaudy and you know and they're going through this stuff and they're reminiscing at the same time, you know, and they're 
and say, oh my God, I can't believe I wore that. Look at this. Well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a process. It's a, it's a closure. And um, I, I have not, as far as clothes, I have not really done that myself, but with other things. It's, again, it's the same thing. It's a form of closure. And it's a healthy thing, and it's a good thing. Um, because, you know, even if, for instance, these people, <clears throat> let's say, you know, they, they didn't get, you know, heavy and fat and like is typical, and, you know, they could actually still wear the clothes, even if they did, they would look kind of freakish i mean that would be okay at a you know an 80s party or and you know, a 90s party a, a very specialized thing okay maybe even halloween <laughs> for adults or something i don't know but if you get my point on this is it's we have to have closure and again that's a healthy thing and it's but the problem comes is when we don't have that and when we tie and identify so much with these things that is like a time capsule of our life, I'm not talking about things really easy to discard of. It can be items of, you know, furniture. Sometimes it's bigger items. Uh, people, at least the ones that, you know, can afford this, I'm... I'm not talking as like some multi-zillionaire like, you know, Jay Leno or something that has all these, you know, hundreds and or millions of dollars worth of cars like he does. But again, it's the same thing. It's just on a it's on a bigger, more expensive scale, but it's the same damn thing. But the thing is, at some point, if you hold on to these things, the older you get, they actually become a burden in that all they do is make you more and more depressed because it is nothing more than a stark reminder of your mortality. And so, since I understand and since for myself that I have accepted that I figured one of the best things, the healthiest things that I could do is get rid of stuff. And I mean a lot of stuff because you get past a certain point and first of all, you just, you just don't need it. To give you one very brief example, one of my, I believe it was, if I remember, my first car. Now, this will seem, at least to me, silly. My first car was a slightly beat up, but ugly Datsun B210 hatchback. And it was shit brown. And, but 
it was my first car. I loved that car. And I did, I treated that car uh, with, you know, my own money that I had to work for and earn. But, you know, I, I turned, I tuned up that little tiny sewing machine motor that it had to make it run. <laughs> I was tuning it as though it was a damn Ferrari. And I waxed it and washed it and every crack and crevice I detailed and just on and on and on. And um, it ran forever and it, it rode down the road. It's, it's, it's ride was, I'd like to make it akin to a, a roller skate with shocks. It was a really bad, uncomfortable ride. But the damn thing always ran. It always started, you know, very low to no maintenance, no cost. And of course, you could fill it with a tank of gas and seemingly go forever. On the other hand, it was it was just slow. <laughs> It was slower than it was slow. Okay. The damn thing was just wouldn't get out of its own way. But the thing is, here I was in the summer that I got it and I'm, I'm, I'm waxing it and buffing it. And, and the thing is, after I got done all of that, it hardly at all had any shine. <laughs> I must have spent a great deal of time on that car. And in retrospect, it was incredibly stupid. There is a lot more things, important things I could have done with my time than, you know, screwing around with buffing an old shit brown Datsun. That was not a great car to begin with, um, you know, just an Econo box, pretty ugly, and it was what it was. But I thought in my mind, this is the greatest car in the world. It's my car. So, of course, now I would look at something I wouldn't I wouldn't even begin. I wouldn't dream of doing anything like that again with any car at all. And Strictly utilitarian. Eh, it's a car. And, you know, it will one day, you know, go to the place where mostly, mainly, just about, except for maybe a few exceptions, like the ones Jay Leno has in his garage, that goes to car heaven. <laughs> but I sure as hell aren't going to spend any time on it. Same thing very briefly to mention um was about my my lawn and my grounds and i was into that whole you know uh what's another word uh keeping up with your neighbors or keeping up with the joneses or some some such nonsense and you know i was meticulously obsessed with my lawn and the bushes and the trimming and this that and the other and I gave that shit up mm, five, six, seven years ago. <laughs> totally. You know, I mow my lawn because it's necessary. 
I do an absolute minimum of any time on it whatsoever. You know why? Because assuming even if the grounds are here, and assuming even if the house is here, all of that will still be going year in and year out, season in and season out, when I'm long gone. There's no permanence. It doesn't matter. And so it's coming to grips with that. And what I found would really, for me, that lightened my load in that respect is just getting rid of all this stuff. Stuff I accumulated, stuff I haven't used. And, but in addition to that, um, not replacing it with new stuff because if you replace it with new stuff, which in turn in a few years becomes junk, then you have to get rid of it. It kind of defeats the whole damn purpose. And what I would like to do, if I could, I don't think I can, <laughs> but it's sort of like um, that, that old 70s um, uh, series called Kung Fu, who, uh, you know, was starring the late David Carradine, and it's like this Kung Fu master, but he's walking through the Southwest barefooted, <laughs> and all his worldly possessions are in, like, one little knapsack over his shoulder. I don't know if I want to go that far, but I'm just saying. Um... Think back, if you're still with me, hopefully. Think back when um, you were really young, um, maybe, I don't know, maybe getting your first place that you had, you know, your first apartment or what have you. Um, chances are, for a whole number of reasons, hopefully, but um, you didn't have very much stuff. I know I didn't. Um Quite literally, I remember uh, traveling. I had a pickup truck and traveling across country um, with everything I owned in a knapsack. <laughs> so, and you know what? I was happy. I was happy because I did not identify with all these things that I just had to have. Most of it, you don't. Um, you, you just don't. And it's actually what I found for myself is there's this really strange, like, awkwardness of just the whole process of gathering your shit that you intend to get rid of. And of course now it's winter, but if it's not, you know, you got the whole thing and then you, you, you put it out on tables to sell at garage sales, let's say, or something like that. And it's almost like you're putting out stuff depending on how attached you are. It's like putting out stuff on a table, but it's like a sacrificial lamb or something like that. It just, for me, it's, just, and you know, and some stuff, I, I was really not, it's not, not like, I'm not to the point, I'm not in tears, but I'm like, shit, 
I'm losing my whatever it was widget, you know. I've had that for 15 years. I bought it in blah, 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 blah. And I only paid blah, 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 blah. That's sad. That's the sad of it. And, but the good thing is, you go through this, went through this, this, these feelings, but then um, it's this, it's this weird thing. Like if you had like really long hair and, you get, you just do the exact opposite and you get your hair cut very short, like a crew cut or something like that. Your head for a while, maybe for a day or two or whatever, you, if you know what I'm talking about, it feels like really light. So your head's just so light now, even though the actual weight of all that hair wasn't that heavy to begin with, but you feel light. Okay. It's the same thing with the stuff. Um, it's um, it's how you, I guess, it's what it is. It's the weight of attachment. And the important thing to understand from this, it's the dis disconnecting from um, the uh, notion of permanence. Because once you do that... Once you get that idea in your head and it's it's really taken hold, it changes your whole life. It really does. It changes your whole life for the better. Because once you understand a truth, one of many truths of this life, is that nothing is permanent. Like people that are so obsessive, for instance as this longing to just preserve and preserve. And like, um, I don't know if it, it was um, a decade ago, when had they ever, they did it last because they've done it, I think a couple of times at least, but they've taken in America um, the Declaration of Independence and put it in this very, very special glass enclosure, which is, filled with a special inert gas and it's it's hermetically sealed and the list just goes on and on and on because it's actually it's inconceivable that it would just you know dissolve and become destroyed because it's the original document except for the fact that that is the exact same notion that they had when they did this procedure the first or second time and the second time was supposed to be for all eternity and hermetically sealed and, and all that. And guess what? No, because it wasn't and it isn't. And then the, and the next newest one, it won't be either. Because the battle, the fight against the laws of entropy is a battle that you and I, and just about everything else, cannot win. Maybe you can postpone it a little bit. A little bit, but you can't. So, the idea is once you accept and you understand impertinence, permanence, I'm sorry, when things are imper... Um, 
What's wrong? I mean, I can't even speak. Impermanent. There we go. Um, it, it really lightens your load. And it changes your whole perspective. And that includes the way you interact with your friends, family, and other human beings. Because you understand the fact that nothing is permanent. And that certainly includes us. This is a one-way ride. And we need to not be concerned so much with our success, let's say, which I know is the exact opposite of the whole capitalist mantra, because they want you to work your ass off 24-7, filing files, stacking boxes, moving bags of fucking kitty litter, or whatever it is you're doing, and they'll have you do that until the day you die. The actual owners, they're in, I don't know, Barbados or something. <clears throat> and they all have, interesting enough, all of them, every one of them have the same name. Did you know that? They're all counts. Every one of them are counts. Their name is Count de Monet. Of course, that was my attempt at something a little funny, but... Count the money is very busy counting the money. and uh, But see, that's their thing. That's their trap. Again, it's the same thing. Only difference is they're doing it in some beautiful paradise place having, I don't know, Mai Tais or, or whatever it is the hell these people have. You are moving, you know... 30-pound bags of cat litter or something and stacking them or or whatever the hell else it is that you have to do to earn enough money to exist. But if there is a way of cleaning out things, cleaning out your life, your addict, your this, but whatever it is that you have, and turning that around so that you're not concerned about that anymore. And if it just so happens that that stuff that you have can, you know, give you enough coin to, I don't know, come up with a different plan, let's say, then that's great. But first, before a person, before you can do all of that, you have to accept, and it's a it's a very it's a very humbling thing. You have to accept um, impertinence. Nothing is permanent. Nothing. We're it's like um, part of the lyrics of an old Cat Stevens song. Wow, I'm really showing my age there. Um, just one, uh, oh, very young, I think is the name of the song. But as he's singing, and part of the lyric was, we only 
dance upon this earth for a short while. Consider that. Because it's true. And all the Botox and tummy tucks and ass lifts and all of these things that are marketing because people are fooled into thinking something else about their life and they are vain. And uh, for the other people in charge, while they are relatively young, let's say, they don't give a damn because that is, again, their whole thing. And their whole thing, once again, is about making money. So it is in their interest to keep you narcissistic and vain and all that, all the smoke and mirrors they could possibly come up with. Now, I also, I realize that perhaps, maybe I'm mistaken, maybe what I'm talking about is news to you, maybe it isn't, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, maybe, you know, maybe this is not earth-shattering news, but I did want to just tell you anyway, because particularly um, with the emphasis is on the objects, I mean... Do you really need three cards, three cars and a, a big ass boat? I mean, doesn't any of it get old and tired because it will? Whereas, for instance, depending on what they are or depending on what you have, you can, you know, cash this stuff out and go visit the world when the climate's right, when it's right. Pretend you're a teenager again. Have that nothing but a small knapsack on your shoulder. And I don't know. Go to Italy. Go to Nepal. Go to anywhere out of the... Not the touristy places because you're back into the same old shit again. Let's go see some um, very different places. And maybe even take some photographs. So you can show them to your your kids or your grandkids. I don't know. <laughs> but I can tell you that by doing this, because one has to happen before the other. It has to be done sequentially. You don't get rid of the stuff, the things, until the mindset changes first. It's not the getting rid of the stuff that changes the mindset. It's the other way around. So, yeah, I mean, you have to develop and understand this, and you just look around and you say, okay, um, and you start looking. It's like, would I have this if I were 18 or 20? <laughs> no. Okay. And go, go on down the line. I promise you, you'll feel better. And it's a, a small thing, but I believe it's simultaneously a big thing. And you will 
feel better lightening your load. And at least in the short run, it can also be a big plus for your pocketbook and your freedom. Well, what did you think about that? I'd really like to hear what you have to say. So go on over to my website, theearnestmanshow.com, and put down your two cents worth. And while you're there, please feel free to listen to any and all the episodes you like. Plus, check out the other interesting things on my website. Until next time, this is Ernest saying take care. I'm out of here.